Hello, hello, mamas. We have a little bonus podcast for you today with the amazing Bridget from Back to Bounce Physio in Maroochydore, Sunshine Coast, if you're not local. And she um, is, a, is a women's health physio. Now, she has come from the descent of a sports and normal people background, however, found a particular interest in hip issues, back issues that all descended to the pelvic floor. As we know, everything's connected in the body and the pelvic floor being out of whack can cause issues in the jaw, cause issues in the upper back, etc, etc. So she found a special interest in that, which has brought her into the women's health scene for the last fair few years. Obviously, we know women's health physios is a very strong focus for the pregnancy and postnatal period. I personally, when I'm talking to pregnant women and they're like, where the heck do I start with my birth prep? I am super aware on the fact that one, you and your birth partner are about to go to a one person um, salary, which is something that we definitely need to take into account. And two, you're also going to need to have the funds to look after this brand new baby. And pregnancy can be a time where that can make us spend thousands and thousands of dollars of marketing ploys that are tricking us into thinking that we need a million and one things costing $10,000 when it's actually not the case. Anyways, that was a big tangent to pretty much say I recommend all my goods plus a women's health physio in pregnancy are the two things that I recommend because I just think that they are the most, most important. Women's health physios very much focused on the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor is a complex group of ligaments and muscles within the pelvis. It literally sits at the floor of the pelvis and this being balanced is so, so essential for a natural birth experience. So... Anyways, have a listen, enjoy, let me know your thoughts, share the podcast, put it to your friends, love, love, love when you guys share the podcast on your social media or even just via messages and stuff, it really helps our podcast grow Um, and I super duper appreciate it. If you have any questions about our services in general, definitely feel free to um, send them through to me and I'm more than happy to answer, otherwise I'll talk to you soon, enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Birth Co. We help women and their partners prepare physically and mentally for a natural and empowering birth experience. With pregnancy yoga, Pilates and workshops, all led by our registered midwife, we have a studio here on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. Otherwise, all of our services are available online. You can learn more at naturalbirthco.com. If you wish to advertise on this podcast, you can visit naturalbirthco.com forward slash pregnancy dash podcast. Now enjoy this ad free episode. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast, Bridget. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. My absolute pleasure. So would you like to tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from? Yeah, sure. So I'm a physiotherapist. I work at Back to Bounce Sports Physio here um, at the Sunshine Coast in Maroochydore. And I, for the last few years, have been focused mostly on like musculoskeletal and sports injuries. Um, and then kind of delved into this world of pelvic health, pregnancy, post postpartum women's health um, purely because I really enjoy treating hip and pelvic pain Mm. and then found that there was such a big connection with uh, these ladies that were presenting to me with 
ongoing hip and pelvic pain, but then having underlying pelvic floor dysfunction. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I really uh, delved into it because I was just, you know, found a lot of passion for ladies that were coming to me normally around that, you know, two or three year postpartum mark with back pain or hip pain that they don't know and don't understand kind of where it's come from, why they can't get rid of it um, and how to manage it. And it, you know, then affects, was affecting, you know, their uh, general life really so their um, exercise and their daily function so yeah just kind of delving into that world of the pelvic health um, and how then it relates to so many other aspects in injury and pain but then also quality of life as well absolutely isn't it so fascinating and this is something that has really triggered my interest over the last couple of years how it's just all so connected like yeah. you have something happen in your pelvic floor that does something to your tailbone that does something to your shoulder blade that does something to your migraines or whatever it's yeah. just it's amazing how connected everything is yeah exactly I was treating a lady yesterday for upper back pain and um she was talking she it just came up that she was trying to fall pregnant and that her pelvic floor was really tight and that she felt that she might need some help in the future you know when she does fall pregnant um with all of that and I was like yeah like it's actually linked to this upper back pain so and then she I, I just fleetingly said oh you know like it then the fascial connections actually come all the way up to the back of the jaw and the tongue and I said we see a lot of people with pelvic floor problems but then also presenting with like TMJ and jaw problems she was like yeah well that's me I have to wear this thing at night time because of my jaw and I was like well a little bit of pelvic floor stuff might actually help you so absolutely like it is definitely wow. um, all connected it's very interesting that is so interesting what's what's TMJ uh like the te- um temporomandibular joint so basically the big uh joints just behind your ear that helps control you chewing right and so a lot of people that grind their teeth at night or have tmj pain that yeah that there's a that has been shown in research um that there's big connections with the pelvic floor wow isn't that fascinating yeah like even fascial connections how wild is that concept yeah Yeah. is that a somewhat new thing from my understanding is that right oh i'm not actually sure i know that there's a guy who does a lot of like the um it's going to sound a bit crazy but the dissections of Ah, um, all of like the cadavers and he that's basically his you know uh, the only work that he does is focusing on yeah these dissections and really focusing on the fascial connections and actually how far they go through yes. the body so, amazing yeah amazing so cool um so okay can we use this woman as a that you had yesterday as an example yeah, so she had a tight pelvic floor which was leading to this upper back pain and jaw pain so for her and her example and she was pre-pregnancy what did you do to help her and so um she had a few other um health things going on um so had like a systemic inflammatory process going on so um we didn't focus too much with uh on the session on her pelvic floor Mm. but I gave her some pelvic floor relaxation exercises to do because um she's quite aware that she you know has a tight pelvic floor um and then so I just really explained to her that look that could definitely be leaking to your uh, upper back pain and also your TMJ pain let's you know throw in just a few pelvic floor relaxation exercises Mm -hmm. for you to do regularly and establish that connection and understanding and what that relaxation of the pelvic floor actually feels like Mm -hmm. to familiarize herself with that feeling um 
so then she can you know practice that regularly and let's see if that changes your upper back and jaw pain absolutely absolutely yeah so say if a woman came to you in pregnancy and she was like okay I have no idea all I know is that I was told to come see a woman's health physio what would you kind of assess for? What would you look out for? How would you treat yeah. different things you would find? Yeah. So um, I had another patient yesterday who was probably another really good example of that. Yeah. So she's already had um, one bub and so she's pregnant in early, early pregnancy with her um, her second child. And so um, she yeah, presented coming, uh, uh, wanted to uh, come and just get a really good like exercise program and stay strong through her pregnancy. So what we do is um, posture is a big thing so I look at her standing posture um, I look at how she's breathing is another big thing as well I check her um, I checked her like abdominals for any separation from her previous pregnancy and really looking at her strategies of movement so looking at what muscles are activating particularly through her core and her pelvis um, mm. to see if all oh, are there things that we can be improving um, to optimize her her body and her health and her function and her strength mm. going into pregnancy um, as her body changes and bub grows and um, yeah just really kind of putting all of that together mm. and educating her on well why upper back mobility why we're throwing in these things um, and why uh, you know different activation strategies of her abdominal region and her core are important to work on now and get strong with and familiarise herself with all of those movements and exercises before, you know, bub does start to get too big. Yes, absolutely. Because that's something that's so common, isn't it, where pregnant women, like, obviously you have this massive weight on your front that's not usually there and your boobs are getting bigger too, which is adding to it. And then they kind of, like, do all this loading in their back and they kind of arch their back and lean their shoulder blades backwards and then it just like puts so much weight into their lower back doesn't Mm -hmm. it yeah absolutely so easy to do yeah and I mean if you're if you're already someone that's quite strong you're going to deal with that extra weight so much better than someone who doesn't know how to activate their lower tummy muscles or activate their glutes for example so yeah doing all of that the strength work and the prep work definitely um can really, really help ladies just, yeah, you know, with function and things like that. Yeah. Particularly too if they've got another, like a toddler or someone as well, right? So as oh. their, you know, bump is getting bigger, then their, you know, two-year-old might need to be still having, you know, uh, that attention of, yeah. or of, you know, being lifted and picked up and all of these things. So, yeah, you want to make sure that, you know, you're as strong as you can be with, you know, all of these extra demands being placed on you. That's it. That's it. And as much as pregnancy is a time for relaxation and softening and slowing down I think you can still very much have that while putting the time aside to be strong and maintain your strength exactly and and that's the thing is that like there's no right or wrong like um ladies come in saying oh I know I should exercise more and I should do this and should do that and it's just like we just need to take away the shoulds for a Mm -hmm. little bit and just do what you can Mm. understand that you know strength training doesn't need to be an hour every single day Mm -hmm. it could be little 15 minute or 20 minute sessions that you do four times a week Mm -hmm. in a way that is that works for you Mm. um and yeah it it, there's no right or wrong it's just it's just being aware and Mm -hmm. you know throwing in oh can I do some a few extra 
squats here or can I um, work on my mobility and my balancing exercises while I'm waiting for the kettle to boil or, you know, just little things, throwing them into your daily life, I think is a bit more easier um, than, you know, thinking, oh, I've got to go and do a really hard workout for an hour or 45 minutes. Yeah. And I have to drive all the way to the gym and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 And everyone's different, but sometimes people do work really well with the, um, with the at-home workouts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So if a pregnant woman came to you, um, you would be assessing all those things. And in regards to the pelvis itself, like the ligaments, the muscles, the pelvic floor, what would you be looking for within yeah. that? Yeah. So um, in physio world, so, you know, um, in pelvic floor training in the physiotherapy world, what we look at is um, – uh, if they're yeah, happy for us to be doing an internal exam is that we do check their pelvic floor. Um, and so that looks like, um, you know, can uh, do they understand and can they do a good pelvic floor contraction to start with, yeah? Yeah, So right. when you ask them to do it, do they understand what that means? Because mm. a lot of ladies are not familiar with it until they fall pregnant and all of a sudden they realise that they've got a pelvic floor and, oh, yes, I better pay a bit of attention to that Absolutely. Isn't that so true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, I was the same. I didn't know much about it until I met Caitlin. Like, yeah. Didn't know much about it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, just familiarising them with, you know, what it is, what it does, you know, uh, mm. exactly where it is. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's very important job yeah. that we happen to know nothing about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, so uh, if they're happy, then we can do a check of their um, pelvic floor muscles to see if they've got a good activation and a strong activation, and if they can actually do um, an activation when they're cued. Um, or on the other hand, if their pelvic floor is really, really tight, for example, mm. is that we might need to really work on creating space and relaxation and length in the muscles and length through the pelvis and space in the pelvis. So, um, yeah, looking at um, from like a, a specific pelvic floor um, mm-hmm. point of view in that regard and then just looking to and, and um, getting a bit of an understanding of, you know, have they had pelvic pain in the past? Do they have they had problems with leaking or urgency or um, you know any of those uh, things in the past that well maybe we can work on those mm-hmm. before bub gets bigger and more pressure is being placed on the pelvic floor and and just trying to get a bit of an understanding of where they're at, what we can yeah. work on and need to work on through their pregnancy. Um, yeah, just really to prepare them as best we can. Um, mm. I myself, I haven't been trained in um, more of like the myofascial work, yeah, so like yeah. the ligament balancing and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I know that there's some really wonderful osteos and perhaps even other physios that do that because I know that that's, you know, probably more um, uh, from my understanding what you work on with your yoga yeah. classes and things. So we are looking at the pelvic floor from the physio world that, you know, I'm coming from is more in terms of like function and so is it strong is it doing its job well is it um how is it working synergistically with other muscles of the hip and the diaphragm and the core muscles and so really looking at its at its function and um you know posture is a big thing as well so can we be looking at you know adjustments and changing postures particularly as posture then changes as bub grows and gets Mm. bigger with the weight at the front so um yeah just looking at all of those things um so good yeah from a pelvic floor perspective when they come in uh, see a physio yeah awesome awesome so if someone's either pre-pregnant or early pregnancy at home 
what would be some signs that they maybe have some imbalance in their pelvic floor and should get it checked out? What would you say? Um, I would say that um, if definitely if they're wanting and heading towards a vaginal birth, mm. definitely go and get it checked regardless Fair. whether you've got you know symptoms or not. Um, and it depends how open they are to it. But even ladies with the, that are having an elective C-section, for example, is that it is good to still go and get all of that checked, particularly as bub grows and more weight is being placed on the pelvis. Mm. But then also from um, uh, like a, just a general physio perspective as well is that, you know, can we opt, be optimising, you know, hip strength or lower back strength or core mm. strength, so those kinds of things. Um, but other symptoms would be, um, you know, any increase in um, like uh, 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 heaviness feeling down in the pelvis. Ah, yeah. So um, any symptoms of like heaviness or a dragging sensations, depending on to, you know, if it's their first bub or if they've had a few bubs before as well. Yeah. Um, any, uh, yeah, like pain. Pain is a, is a common one. So often you can get, um, you know, your pelvic girdle pain, your round ligament pain, um, sciatic pain is a big one as well. So looking at all of those, um, uh, like, you know, things that do come up in pregnancy and they can happen early on. And so getting onto all of those as as quickly as we can. Mm. Um, And yeah, I mean, a lot of ladies think that, oh, this is just normal and uh, and pain and a bit of leaking, um, you know, uh, in pregnancy is normal or painful intercourse in early pregnancy is normal. But it's it's like we don't want that, and it's no. it's a, it's might be common, but it's not normal. And you know you've got you know nine or eight months left of you know yeah. having to deal with this. So if we can get onto it as soon as yeah. possible um, and try to manage it and really educate ladies, then um, you know you don't have to be in pain yes. um, going through your pregnancy. Yes, yeah, I love that you said that. Then um, common but not normal. I think that's such an important um, difference to point out because. It was even just such a thing, like, and I remember even my own mum saying it about how you continue throughout your, what am I trying to say, sorry, after babies, you wear yourself and that's just what happens. Yeah. And, and like, say something would happen, she'd need to cross her legs when she sneezes or whatever. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, that's what three babies will do. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be. Like, yeah, yeah. it's common, but that's not normal. Like, you yeah. can absolutely have a better pelvic floor health than you did even pre-pregnancy um if you do like the exercises and stuff like that and um I'm definitely no example I'm fucking hopeless with doing my (laughs) consistent exercises and I know something like pregnancy would make me do them but um yeah I just think that's such a common thing as you say with the pain in the pelvis as well like common but not normal like we don't have to do this stuff and it's not only for the benefit of a comfortable pregnancy which is obviously great but if there's something deep going on with the ligaments and the muscles majority of the time that's going to impact your birth it's going to impact bubby's position it's going to impact how much they can move down and through the pelvis so it's really important, especially the pelvic floor is a big one here, um, to get that shit balanced before birth for not only a comfortable pregnancy, but if you want to have a natural birth experience and a, 
you know, somewhat efficient and progressive labour, like that stuff's got to be balanced. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like, you know, if you're having ongoing back pain or hip pain or pelvic pain through your pregnancy, what do we do when we're in pain? We want to grip and lift and hold and tighten everything. Yeah. We don't want a pelvic floor that's gripping and lifting and tightening no. when, we're, when we're needing a baby to come out of that space, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's another aspect is that, you know, we don't want pain to be adding to any tension through the pelvis. We want it to be nice and loose and, as you say, really well balanced and yeah. uh, to help help bubs transition through yeah. um, the birth canal. Yeah. Yeah. So if a mum had a tight pelvic floor that you assessed in a session, how would you – what would be some tips that you would give her or what would you even do to her to soften that pelvic floor? Yeah, so um, – I find that like showing pictures and using visual um, yeah. kind of uh, demonstrations is always really good. Um, and it's also, uh, we have to figure out as well, because all patients are so different about what cue is going to work for them, for example. So, so true. Some people need, um, you know, tactile um so they actually have that like kind of sensory feedback. So mm-hmm. they actually can feel their, their pelvic floor lowering, lowering and dropping, for example, if they were sitting on their hands or sitting on a fitball or sitting on something mm-hmm. soft where they can actually physically feel their pelvic floor dropping down and mm. having that feedback of something underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, or some people, um, uh, I love uh, some of the work by a lovely uh, physiotherapist who works a lot in the yoga space called Shelly Prosco from America. So she does a lot of pelvic floor relaxation and opening and meditation style um, exercises, which I find that patients really love. So whether that's in like a child's pose or a pigeon pose or a happy baby pose or um, holding those positions and really just focusing on breathing into that space so using that visualization is another way you know with that slow music and using the breath and like that heading more into like yeah that um uh the yoga Mm. uh, you know type modality to help with that um are some of the common ones um if someone's got a really really tight pelvic floor and you know and they're in for example their second trimester um doing and gentle 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 internal release can Mm -hmm. also be helpful as well so they can actually feel uh feel the muscular tension that's already there but then also feel it soften and relax and expand so um uh, yeah, they would probably be the main, three main ones. The other ones are, you know, um, doing hip release as well. So any um, yes. deep hip stretches like your pigeon pose or releasing it with the ball or, yes. um, you know, a little bit of massage through the glutes and the back of the hip can also help as well. Yes. So it really is kind of um, finding what works for each individual. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. A couple of things to say on that. I um. Yeah, I've been rolling out my glutes heaps more because I've actually found – I find that that fixes, like, so many issues. Like, if there's any pain or weird thing going on with the body, I always tell my mum as I'm like, just roll out your glutes first and see what happens from yeah. there. Because I reckon about 80% of issues it just fixes, uh, which is so absolutely. funny. And it's really interesting, right? Like, particularly as females, is that, like, there's so much I feel like, you know, when it comes to, like – um tension or pain or stress so much is held within the pelvis so you know like releasing the glutes yes. it's like you know like the glutes are very closely related you know to what's going on actually like you know more internally within your uh, internal pelvic floor muscles yeah. but then also your hip deep hip muscles as well so it, you know it does show that oh we're walking around with all of this tension in our oh, glutes and yeah. our pelvic floor it's like oh yeah we all need to just 
take a few deep breaths and do some rolling and yeah, release and yeah absolutely and the rolling like obviously I'm all for stretching but um the rolling is like just a whole new ball game I think like yeah. I think it's important to not think oh I'll just stretch and that's enough like yes. I just think yeah um I don't know arguably rolling's a bit more beneficial like yeah. especially if my mum is already coming to yoga and stuff I would kind of Say more so roll in the morning, roll out rather than stretch out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Sure. Hey. Um, what was I going to say? Yes. Um, I've had a few mamas at the moment who, um, especially V-back mamas, yep. um, who have discovered the hard way that they have a tight pelvic floor, right? Mm. Which is why that initial cesarean section happened, which is always a bit of a difficult way to learn that, um, yeah. which is why we need to go get our pelvic floor checked before birth. Um, and they use a wand to do that internal release work. Yeah. Do you ever recommend your mamas doing that or know much about that? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, like I haven't, you know, <laughs> I haven't been pregnant, so I can't speak from how that feels but yeah. from the ladies that I um, have spoken to yeah some some ladies love it some ladies like oh no that is way too intense for me so um, as in painful oh just that they don't like the idea of it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. but yeah absolutely and that you know the uh, modalities like that is things where it's like you know it's it's individual for everyone like some yes. ladies love it and it gives them that that sensory feedback yes. and helps with them with that visualization and really feeling those uh, muscles release. So yes. I think it's a really great tool to be able to do, yeah, that like internal release. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing. Um, what about postnatal recovery? So obviously it's important for peeps, everyone after birth, vaginal or cesarean section because what is it like you're holding the weight? Oh, What's, I don't know, someone's told me a comparison before where at the end of pregnancy, the weight of the baby is like, I don't know, 400 times that of its normal amount or something yeah, like that with on the pelvic the, floor. Yeah, the fluid and... Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's important even if you did have a cesarean section, even if it was planned, I think, to get your pelvic floor checked. What do you see with like postnatal women as like your most common issues and how do you go about helping them recover? Yeah, so... um. I find a a really common one is just that they – so obviously when bub grows, all of your abdominal muscles and, like, your lower core are all really, really stretched out, right? Mm -hmm. So when you – you know, once you've had your bub, that all of these muscles, they don't just all of a sudden, you know, get their activation back and um, do their job really well again. So it's like anything, you know, like after having a surgery on your knee or ankle, for example, is that you've got to get those muscles around that joint – like activating and consciously uh, get them going again. Yeah. So it's really, it's the same as the lower um, tummy muscles and these lower tummy muscles have, you know, been stretched out. In the case of a cesarean, there's lots of different layers of tissues that have been cut through yeah. and then stitched up. So you get pain inhibition of that area, right? So, um, you, you, you know, you, uh, your brain gets this message that, oh, there's a, there's a scar there and it's been really, really sore after, you know, uh, carrying a bub and those muscles have already been stretched out but then you're recovering from that like very painful wound mm. so getting those muscles activating again and obviously these muscles um, wrap around to the spine yeah so they're really really important in load transfer they're really important in um, stabilizing and supporting our back when we're lifting bub when we're mm. carrying bub so they're the, a big part of like your, your foundation and part, like you know 
major, major core muscles. So mm. I would say that that's a really big thing is just getting those muscles going again because when we don't get those going again, that's when we often find, um, you know, ladies using different strategies like breath holding, for example, which actually puts more pressure down on the pelvic floor. Yeah. So just getting that understanding and getting all of those muscles working nicely again to get it to, again together. So getting those pelvic floor working with the core, working with the breath, working with the glutes – all as, as as a part of that synergy, I think, is, yeah, really, really important. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, so true, so true, so true. Um, yeah, do you see, like, slip discs and stuff like that postnatally very often from that lack of core? Um, like, from picking up babies all the time? And yeah, so we definitely do see, um, I mean, still, like, a lot of pelvic um, pain. Um, not so much, like, a, oh, I wouldn't say, like, you know, um, uh, uh, disc kind of you know mm-hmm. ruptures or anything crazy like that but definitely just the the pain that is associated um with the lower back and and um uh, pelvis mm. and to be honest most of the time it's just because people um are using inefficient strategies to yeah. move really yeah um yeah and of course too it's like you know when you're if you're breastfeeding is that you've still got like a uh, changes to your tissues because of the lack of estrogen mm. so that's another thing as well is that ladies often need to work a little bit harder to get that strength back and mm. um because you've you know had all of these changes that take months and months and months even after you've uh, stopped breastfeeding for everything to rebalance and restabilize back to its normal level right mm. so when you don't have that that normal like um estrogen level that's helping keeping uh, keep everything strong and taut and tight like it normally yeah. does then that also impacts it as well so then there's that's big implications yeah for just um uh like yeah re- recovery postnatally yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, that movement, like I've had heaps of postnatal mamas um, having sore lower backs particularly. And I think that's often from what these mums have said, the way that they're even, say, changing the nappy or something like that. You know, they're leaning over onto a bed rather than, you know, not that you have to have a proper change table, but maybe even just having like the towel on the kitchen bench so you're not like rounding and leaning, you know, 20 times a day or however often you change your babe's nappy. Absolutely. You know, like that's going to be inducive to fucking back pain for anyone, let alone if you're a postnatal, no core. Of course, yeah. Tired. And it's all of the other stuff, right? It's lifting baby's carrier and it's putting... Putting baby in the car and it's yes. carrying nappy bags and you know and it's washing and it's hanging out washing and yes. as you say like leaning forwards and sitting feeding as well like yes. whether you're bottle feeding or breastfeeding it's it's the you know yeah I read somewhere that it was like you know if you breastfeed for a year it's the equivalent of like you know 1800 hours and working a full-time job or yes. something so it's like your body is you know doing these things repetitively a lot that it's yes. you know, perhaps never done before either so yes. um yeah it's as you say like it's a lot for someone that you know hasn't just birthed a child yeah but like someone that you know might not have a great pelvic floor and lower core and absolutely. you know a lot of strength so yeah, yeah. absolutely 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 yeah. yeah do you notice a huge difference between your postnatal mamas who were fit in pregnancy and not fit in pregnancy yeah absolutely 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah so and to be honest I think it all really just comes back to again that education yes. ladies that are educated and understand the importance and understand um the changes happening within their body and understanding and feeling that oh can I connect to my pelvic floor and can I connect to my glutes and my core and and yeah. really just yeah being able to um uh, to yeah exercise and work on all of that yeah um definitely recover 
much smoother post-pregnancy, right? Yeah. And it's the exact same as any other injury that we see in clinic, right? So if someone's going in for knee surgery, you get them to do lots of strength work on their knee before surgery because totally. though they have much better outcomes post-surgery, right? So it's exactly the same. So is that, You know, the better prepared you are and, um, all, yeah, just understanding the reasons why and how it's so, why it's so important um, mm. to prepare yourself. Yeah, you, you just, you know, you have a much smoother recovery. And I'm not saying that, like, that guarantees the perfect birth and the perfect yeah. postnatal recovery by no means at all but it definitely absolutely can help yes you know, feeling strong and um uh yeah and I interestingly enough is that I had another uh lady come in and I guess this leads in more to the work that you do with your yeah. um, workshops and things is that she said that she was exercising quite intensely um when she was in like her later stages of pregnancy because she wanted to feel really confident and strong in her body so then she felt confident and strong in her birth I was like, oh, wow, like it's all of the work that, you know, you're doing with your workshops is, is yeah, getting mums to kind of um, get familiar with uh, the pain that they could be expected to experience in yeah. childbirth, right? So it's not just coming as a big, big shock and they don't know what's going on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so. Oh, it's so funny, hey, because it's like we, in this day and age, we are so comfortable almost all of the time. You know, if we're hot, we turn a fan on and cool down. If we're cold, we put a jumper on. Yeah. Um, if we're uncomfortable, we change positions, we get a massage, we do whatever we got to do to get out of pain, which is great. And we're like grateful to have that ability to do that. However, then, you know, when a good old contraction comes around and we never experience pain, and if we do, it's always a negative pain, it's a pathological pain, we might, you know, cut our thumb on a knife or something when we're cutting up pumpkin probably. And um, I fucking hate cutting pumpkin. (laughs) And, um, you know, we, we get this big spike of adrenaline and we get this stress, which is great. That's our body's natural response to this pathological pain and that pain that is not meant to be there it's not natural and this is a natural response for us to be like okay cool what am I going to do how am I going to fix this pain how am I going to fix myself so you put the pressure on you hold the tissue paper on you get the band-aid out really quickly your your adrenaline's pumping to to fix yourself right you take yourself to hospital if you need to you do whatever you got to do if you're getting this spike of adrenaline and we are fixing the problem we're in fixing mode right which is very logical mind, frontal lobe, um, which is a great asset of our human design, um, is having this frontal lobe to be logical and analytical and make decisions, etc. However, when it comes to labor, it's what we call a physiological pain. So the contractions are meant to be there. They're natural, they're normal, they're meant to be there, they're meant to birth your baby, push your baby out of your vagina. Your vagina is meant to stretch. Your uterus is meant to contract. Your pelvis is meant to jiggle and move. I always use the analogy of as if you're taking a super tight ring off your finger. Not only your finger needs to jiggle and move, the ring needs to jiggle and move to be able to get it off. So your pelvis is jiggling and moving. Your body is jiggling and moving with movement and positions um, as babies wiggling their way down and through. So this doesn't come comfortably. This comes with a fair bit of intensity, discomfort. Um, you may or may not want to call it pain, but it's a positive pain. It's yeah. meant to be there. It's physiological. And what I like to compare it to is like, say, if you go for a big run and the next day you have sore muscles in your legs. We don't 
get upset about it the next day. We don't stress about it. We don't spike adrenaline. We're not concerned necessarily. We, you know, it may not be comfortable. It may not be pleasurable and that's okay. Um, but we don't stress about it because we know it's normal. It's meant to be there. It's physiological. So that's how we need to perceive our labor pains. And I totally appreciate it's um, much more intense and much more uncomfortable than sore legs are after you run. But it's the same concept that we really need to work on. So um, yeah, we do this through a few different techniques. We have seven practical strategies that we go through. But I think what I'll talk about today is um, kind of the mental aspect of it. So we very much mentally prepare the mind to experience this pain. And how do you as an individual push through that? How do you get to that edge of tolerance and keep going past it without getting stressed? So um, we all have like our threshold, say if you know you're at the gym and you need to do however many squats or whatever until you maybe have a breather and then you keep going, right? Yeah. Um, that would be your edge of tolerance. However, in birth, contractions have no mercy, right? You can't just decide, oh, fuck, that's enough. It's I've been a minute enough. and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like I need a bit of a breather before I go again. The contractions have no mercy and they're going to push you to that edge of tolerance and pass it, yeah. right? And that's a necessary process of the birth. That's not to be annoying. That's not to be unsatisfactory. That's a necessary process of the birth. And this is what kind of brings us into our transition phase, which is a topic for a whole other podcast. But the transition phase is so fascinating where when we experience intense pain, it creates this whole shedding of the ego, shedding of the identity. And that that is what kind of triggers you as a mother to be rebirthed in the process of giving birth to your baby. Like you're a whole new person after you go through birth. Yeah. So yeah, super interesting topic. But um, yeah, when you get pushed to that edge of tolerance and you've got to keep going for another 30 seconds of whatever or whatever it's going to be of that contraction – what do you need in that moment to remain calm? Because if you don't know and if you don't do strategies to figure out what you need to do in that edge of tolerance, you're going to freak the fuck out. You're going to get frantic. And that frantic energy in in labor isn't isn't conducive to anything positive. It's going to um, make you frantic. It's going to bring you into your frontal lobe, make you analyze the situation, make you decisive, make you um, aware of the time. You're going to be noticing, oh my gosh, I've been in labor for 10 hours. Oh my gosh, I can't do this again. Oh, another two minutes, another contraction's coming. This one's going to be more painful. I can't do this again. What am I doing? It makes you very much in that frontal lobe of analyzing the space that you're in. Where birth, it's it's not a logical thing. It doesn't necessarily make sense a lot of the time. A lot yeah. of the time we're just winging it and it's very much a concept of letting our intuition take over. Our body knows what to do. Our body knows way more about birth than we do logically, than any studies can prove to us logically. Any doctor can tell us logically. Our body knows so much more about birth and the process of birth and babies than anything logically. So we need to really lean into that um, intuitive mind, get out of our frontal lobe, get into our reptilian brain and um, and push through the pain and birth our babies. So yeah. we really explore, yeah, in our How to Cope with Pain in Labor workshop that we're going to do at your space at Back to Bounds, which is exciting. And um, we also go through this in our birth workshop where when we get to that edge of tolerance, what do you need in that moment? So we have two 
um, mental aspects that we kind of go through where one is affirmation. So when you're at that point of tolerance, notice the thoughts that pop up. So you really want to tap out. What is the thoughts that's making you tap out of whatever contraction we're in? Is it, I can't do this? Is it, uh, this is too painful? Is it, this is too hard? Is it, I'm not strong enough? I don't have the energy. Um, This is too hard. This is too uncomfortable. Notice the thoughts. And often we don't even notice the thoughts so much so that we just act on them as if they're truth, right? And that is the hardest thing, even in life in general, like you're in some sort of argument with someone and and these reactions pop up. We need to notice them before we act on them, right? So notice the thought and then come up with the equal and opposite affirmation to combat that. So I can do this. Um, My body is made for this. I am strong. I am able to birth this baby. This contraction is pushing my baby down. This contraction is birthing my baby, progressing our birth, et cetera, et cetera. So those sort of affirmations, um, and these are actually – psychological approaches which I just thought was so interesting because I was talking to one of my best girlfriends who's a clinical psychologist about these two approaches that I'm talking about and she was saying that they're actual uh, techniques that they use in trauma and stuff like that um, to rewrite those neural pathways so I thought that was fascinating but anyways yeah using this positive affirmation to combat that thought and remind yourself of the opposite. Now This is a concept and I'm going to bastardize this quote when I say it, but I'm going to give it a go anyways, where it's like a path walked often is clear. It's easy to walk again. You see the path in the bush. You can very much walk that path back and forth with ease because it's very clear because it's walked a lot of the time. Whereas a path walked once isn't very clear in the bush. Um, You can't really see where the path was. It's much easier to retrace because it's only been walked once. However, the more we walk that grown over path, the easier it is and the clearer it becomes to walk back and forth. So that's the same when it comes to our neural pathways, where if we have these negative thoughts, that's going to be the easiest one to fall back to during birth. However, if leading up to our birth, and this is why I encourage us to start our birth prep like early as we can, Um, Because it just, not only we have more time to work with, but also it means you're not doing it all at once at the end. But um, rewriting those neural pathways from the start, doing, say, one contraction a day, one mock contraction a day throughout your pregnancy, where you're rewriting these pathways of, my body can do this, I am made for birth, I am able to do this, I am strong, I am bold, I am capable, all this sort of stuff. It really does rewrite those neural pathways. And we create these new pathways in our brain that we are way more likely to slip into during birth than if we were to not do that and not put ourselves through pain. And when we do have pain, we think this is too hard and I want to tap out. Yeah. So that's one technique that we do. The second technique is using the power of distraction. So using the breath work, which so many of our mamas love using breath work in um, birth. And so many women come back after the birth and say that the breath work was the thing that got them through. So we very much practice what we call diaphragmatic breathing, which is um, a four count inhale and an eight count exhale. It doesn't have to be strictly that. It can end up being three and six or five and 10 or whatever. Um, But we really work on not letting our mind entertain the thought of the pain that we're in and bring ourselves back to the breath, bring ourselves back to the cold air flowing in, warm air flowing out, the expansive and contraction of the belly. Um, And that can be really wonderful at distraction. And 
when we practice these mock contractions and we push past our edge of tolerance and we figure out what works best for me at past that edge of tolerance because everyone's different and everyone will have different thoughts, different affirmations or would prefer the breath or will prefer counting. Exploring that and knowing that and then communicating it with your birth partner is super duper helpful for your natural birth experience and the calm of that. Amazing. And um, I guess it's really important as well too, like from um, when you talk about like that, bringing the partner into it is um, having them on board and them being with you and understanding like the process and understanding that because often you know like your partner sees you in pain and then like oh no no can we get them some some pain relief or can we yes. can we fix it and you know that's that that normal relationship is that you don't like seeing your loved one going through pain so it's you know as a um as you go through in like you know your workshops and your work you do is is preparing their partner as well to be like this is what to expect. <laughs> there will be, you know, these strategies that come into place. There's going to be that level of, of discomfort and familiarizing them with all of that as well. Yes, yeah? absolutely. Honestly, the partner's role in labor is huge. And I always tell them that, like, I'm sorry, guys, but you have a huge responsibility on your shoulders. And it just is what it is where they really do need to hold space and safety for that woman while in labor they need to be okay with the fact that she's in pain and have that equal understanding that she has of it being physiological pain yeah that it's normal that it's meant to be there even if she's you know howling and moaning about which is so fine and normal and you should do that if you're feeling inclined to that's great um, he needs to not be triggered by that. Yeah. And even if he's concerned, he cannot show it to the mum. Yeah. Because the second mama sees dad concerned or birth partner, then um, she's going to start freaking out. She needs to have complete confidence and trust and safety within the partner. The partner needs to hold that safe space and that support. If he's concerned about anything, he needs to keep full poker face in front of the mum yeah. and maybe go talk to the midwife and say, oh, look, you know, I'm worried about this, blah, blah, blah. Um, is it okay? And the midwife can be like, no, 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 that's fine. So I'm very much like an advocate for you need to trust in the process of birth. You need to trust that everything's fine. Let the midwives do their job in, you know, listening to baby's heart rate, making sure mum's blood pressure and stuff's fine. But if everything's safe, it's such an unknown world for you that just that the fact that, Mum's in pain, going through transition, she's feeling doubt, she can't do it anymore, all of that stuff. You need, as the partner, to not let that shake you. You need to stay so firm in that, like, you can do this, you were made for this, blah, blah, blah. And these are preempted um, discussions that are had between you two. So when mum is pushed to that edge of tolerance in a mock contraction, you guys talk about what does she need in that moment to help her through. So in that moment where she's feeling complete doubt and um, all that about her body, he knows what to do. Yeah. You know, he knows how to face that. He knows how to hold strong and, you know, to maybe how to bring her back to her breath, bring her back to her body. We're always focusing in those, what we call crisis of confidence 
focusing on how to get mum back into that intuitive mind, back into that reptilian brain. Yeah. In the crisis of confidence, she gets very logical mind, freaking out, time, um, analyzing how the heck is this baby going to come out of my vagina, mm. all very valid concerns that we need to trust in the process of birth and get back into the intuition. Yeah. And the dad, the birth partner, sorry, could be a great way to help with that. Yeah. And do you think too, Amy, that there's um, – like quite an element of just like surrender to it as well like in so in you know almost nearly every aspect of our lives is like we're in control right if we Mm. go out and run a marathon we understand there's going to be pain but we're also in control of it we can stop running if Mm -hmm. we choose to right so it's like we're we're in control of that if we go and do a hard workout like you said like you know always in control but with this birthing process is that there is so much going on that your body is doing that you're not in control of. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's such a funny, delicate, delicate balance. Like I was just having a great chat with one of our new mamas yesterday that signed up and we were talking about this really delicate balance where, as you say, we have no control, complete surrender to the experience, right? Completely surrendering and allowing, you know, the waves of contractions come and go and come and go completely surrendering to the experience knowing we have no control and same as like you know the birth might not be exactly as you planned um you know your waters might break and then labor doesn't start or labor might start early or labor doesn't start and you end up needing to be induced because that's what you feel like is the safest option or whatever happens it's not always going to go to plan um majority of the time it's not going to go to plan so it's that complete surrender to that experience while at the same time having complete confidence to control absolutely everything that's within your control, right? So I'll elaborate on that because it's it's such a fucking beautifully contradictory thing. (laughs) I just find so much of this birth stuff and I I really like – I really like, what, what would you say, like I guess algorithms, like X plus Y equals Z. I love rules. I love, you know, this is how it works. So when there's all these contradictions and there's all these exceptions from the rules, yeah. um, it is tricky, but it's honestly just birth. So when it comes to having an empowered birth, having an incom- a confident birth, um, having a birth that you feel satisfied with, that you don't feel traumatized by, which is what we really focus on at Natural yeah. Birth Co. Because, yeah, we're definitely into natural birth, no doubt. Um, but we're also very much here and available for all types of birth experiences. So yeah. if you know that you're going to need some sort of medical intervention or um, or you, you know that you desire an epidural or you even know, okay, if I get to a certain point, I know that I'm going to want X, Y, and Z in this circumstance – that's totally cool and we're here for it as well. So when we talk about having a yeah, the positive confident birth experience, the biggest biggest difference isn't whether you get that epic water birth that you wanted. The biggest difference is that you and your partner were the primary decision makers of your birth experience and you guys were the ones in charge of the decisions and had control and you guys made all the choices throughout the whole experience. Yeah. That is the biggest decision. Sorry, the that is the biggest defining factor of a confident and um, you know, positive birth experience. If we just kind of put our hands up in the air and be like, I don't know what to do now. Do what you want with me. And then we let the health professionals just do whatever they think's right. 
that's not going to be lead to a conducive um, birth experience that's going to be positive and happy because you just totally surrendered control in that moment. Yeah. So although we don't have control of the process of birth, we need to have so like such a strong handle and confidence to have control of everything that we can control. Yeah. That is just like the bit like that's something that's really popped up so many times in the last six months for me and my women that has just showed over and over again that that is conducive to a positive birth experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like you achieve empowerment, right? Yeah. Through education. Yeah. Knowing what your choices are. Are and knowing that you can be an advocate for yourself and knowing that, um, you know, like if if there's, you know, five just five choices on the table about the the risk factors and the benefits of each of those and then making a decision from that place, right? Yes. So it's because that's empowerment. Empowerment is not this is your only choice and this is what's happening. Empowerment is having those options and being fully aware of all of the risks and benefits of each of those options Mm -hmm. and then you, um, you know, as a sovereign being, choosing the best path for you. 100% agree, yeah. And as you say, the options is really important there and unfortunately we're not always given all the options because we're only given the option of what they want us to choose. So having the education to be able to discern yourself, what are my other options? And we go through this pretty deeply in our um, birth workshop, which is our decision-making process, our value-based decision-making process. Because if we just surrender the control to the birth professionals, then they are making choices for you and your birth and your baby based on their values, not yours, right? Because they don't know yours. So it's really important for you to make decisions based on your values because, um, you know, say if if the healthcare provider may not value things like um, a natural birth or breastfeeding or postnatal recovery or gut health of of babes' um, gut microbiome, then they're going to make a very different choice um, than, say, you if you did have those values, right? And then if the outcome of that isn't what you wanted – you're going to hold all that guilt and regret on your yeah. on yourself um, because it wasn't based on your values. Whereas if you make a choice based on your values, whether it works or not, you know you did the best you could with what you had, and that's yeah. not going to leave you with regret. Um, yeah, it's just so important. Mm. It's just so important. Sorry, I was going to say actually, the value based decision making. What we um, what uh, four things that we kind of cover there is. What's the advice of your healthcare professional? It's still important to definitely like consider what they have to say. What does your own research say? Because sometimes we don't hear the best type of research from our healthcare providers or maybe even the most recent. Yeah. Um, we consider our own values, you and your birth partner, what you value. And based on all those things together and your intuition, based on all those things together, what is your decision moving forward? And yeah. this is for all things during your pregnancy and birth experience as well. Yeah. And when you can go through these value-based decisions, even for the small stuff, just to get used to it with your birth partner, that way when you're in your actual birth experience your birth partner can often make a lot of the decisions for yeah. you because they know your values. They know what you want from birth. Yeah. You guys are both super clear together about birth preferences. You've gone through different like – like mamas come all the time after the birth workshop to yoga and they'll be like, oh, I just had the best conversation last night with their partner about if 
this random scenario happened and then that led to this and that led to this in the birth, um, what would we want to do in that circumstance? And they yeah. kind of ballpark different ideas and thoughts. And that, yeah. or lots of conversations like that in pregnancy really creates this overall understanding between the two of you of what you want for your baby and yourself and yeah. your health yeah. and what you both value. And I just think coming up with all these like random tangents of different potentials, mm. not as like a have to or a chore, but as like a, as an interest and a desire. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a beautifully connecting experience mm. as well. Um, yeah, that's really helpful for then the partner to know what to do during Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I guess too, like relating the, um, you know, back to like the choices and, um, you know, making empowered decisions is that then that also relates to, you know, so many other health outcomes, right? Is yes. it like in everything? So, for example, if someone came to us with, you know, uh, 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 really bad ongoing back pain is that it's important to kind of give them all of the options right that this is you know uh, the option if you've got surgery this is the option yes. if you've got you you go down an injection route this is the option if you go down the physio route this yes. is the option if you just do nothing too yeah so you know it's not just about birth it's about like you know it, almost every aspect of healthcare is just making yes. those decisions from an informed place yeah same as if you know you're, you're unwell or you're struggling with something is it like well you've got the the natural method you've got the um traditional like western medicine method you've got you know other options and you know um x y and z or you can do nothing and then these are the benefits and risks of each of those um options on the table so you know birth and pregnancy is that that's exactly the same right is yes yeah the same as so many other you know um you know injuries pain uh health conditions yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. like even um the the options is important because like my partner, for example, he had a, I think it was an MCL tear in his knee and it was pretty gnarly. And he was very much just given the option to um, do this kind of, what was it? Like, what would you say? Rehab, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he was very much under the desire to get an operation, right? Yeah. But because this other physio didn't even entertain the thought, didn't even talk to him about it, probably didn't even ask him, like, yeah. what were you thinking about all this? And then Lockie kind of went off and did all his own research. And then he's thinking, I think I want this operation. He went and saw another, um, like, famous doctor or whatever who explained to him, look, if you want the operation, we can. I wouldn't recommend it because of X, Y, and Z. What well, your other option is is to do the rehab. What your other option is is to do nothing. Like, they're like your three options here. What I would recommend is this one. But at the end of the day, it's their choice. Yeah. They know the risks, the benefits of everything, yeah. and then it's their choice. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us as healthcare providers to give all those options because mm. – we can be very like biased in this is what you should do and just give that as the only option exactly. so that the mum's just like, oh, okay, well, that's what I have to do. Yeah. And poor yeah. things, if they don't know, like, absolutely. How the fuck do they know yeah. to question, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, going back to the whole empowered decision making so that you're satisfied in your birth experience, like, as I said, that's not necessarily always a natural birth experience. Like, yeah. I think it's really important, for example, with the epi- the epidural example is just a really great example. Is that like, you know, some women really, really, really value natural birth and not having pain relief. So for them, they might think, okay, cool. I only want the epidural if 
and this is a conversation with their partner. Say, I've been in labor for over two days, active labor. I, you know, have asked for it three times. I, you know, am only at, you know, the mid pelvis or five centimeters or whatever this um, limit is for them, right? Mm. But then someone else who may, you know, be quite happy to have an epidural. They're, you know, they'd ideally have a natural birth, but, you know, they're not that phase if it goes to a cesarean section or an instrumental birth. Then that's totally cool too. Having mm. that awareness of your values is yeah. so important for Absolutely. birth. Because then for that person, they might say like, look, I'm going to see how I go. I'm going to do these things to prepare. Um, but if I ask for it, let me have it yep. sort of thing. If I ask for it and I'm not eight centimeters yet, let me have it, you yep. know. Having that threshold for yourself and even getting clear with yourself and with your birth partner on what your limit is, um, I think is really, really important because yep. there is no doubt that in transition phase, but when birthing at the hospital setting, you are going to ask for the epidural. That's just normal. That's just our instincts. That's what happens. You are going to ask for it. So, um having that threshold for you is really important because if you ask for it and then it's like, okay, cool, let's do a vaginal exam and check where baby's at, where the progress is going. You might find out that you're transitioning and you know, you're going to have your baby soon. And that's of course why you're asking for it. But if you are at, you know, four centimeters or whatever, baby's still high in the pelvis, then that's going to be that threshold for that second woman that I explained. Like yeah, yeah. having that threshold, I think, super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like you know, it's all just about that education, right? Totally. Like, is that just you know, mum's understanding or what needs to happen, the process of birth. If it gets to you know this point, that point, or you know, yes, you know, so many options in the way that it can go is that you know these are your options at each of those points, and yes. just being educated on all of that, right? Like, yes, yeah, education, is, you know, education is just empowerment, right? Hundred so, percent. Yeah, and that's why you know so important that then they come and you know they do that prep work with someone like yourself, right, yeah. where they can get educated on their options. Yes. Yeah. 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 And there's nothing that's better nor worse. It's just different. Absolutely. Just understanding it. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 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 I think we're good. good. Thank Wonderful. you so much for jumping on. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. It's been lovely just to chat to you and to, you know, talk to people that are like-minded and that are passionate about what they do and yes. just love caring for mamas and, and being such a great support and um, educator and, you know, facilitator of that pregnancy and birth journey is that, like, it's just such important work that you're doing and I think it's amazing that ladies have got these options of coming to your classes and doing your workshops and, um, you know, as we say, like, you know, talking about, like, you know, uh, facilitating that empowerment of mamas and mamas-to-be. I think it's, uh, yeah, super special work that you're doing. So Thank you and you as well. I always say to my mamas, like, oh, I just feel, don't you feel there is a million and one options of when you're pregnant it's like you need to go to the chiro you need to do acupuncture you need to do yoga you need to do women's health physio and it's like you know ten thousand dollars later when you're about to go into a single wage and you're about to have this new life to support and you know have to buy prams and all that shit it's just like such an expensive endeavor and honestly when it comes to birth prep i just recommend all my goods which is obvious but then a woman's health physio as well which is yourself and I just think like because it's obviously a pretty new um field and I just love and I just think it's such an important part of birth prep and um postnatal recovery as well thank you so fascinating pleasure thank you so much thank you 
Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. All of our podcasts are recorded live in the Facebook group, so you are not only the first to listen to the podcast, but you are able to ask questions throughout the podcast. If you wish to jump into the Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. I would really appreciate if you left a five-star written review, shared this podcast with someone who would appreciate, or even share your recent listen on your social stories. Talk to you soon.